Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Masters of the Matrix. For this Halloween special, I have with me Tina Irwin, who is an author, psychic, and ghost helper. Her mission is to teach the living how to help the dead. So in this episode, we will be diving into the subject of all things ghosts and the paranormal. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. This is just really exciting, especially to do this on Halloween. How super cool. It is super cool. And I'm super excited. This is a subject that I really do love. And I love that you're an expert and I love that you help ghosts as well. So how did you first come to find out the uh, that you had the ability to talk to ghosts to or hear them or see them? How does that work for you? And, and when did that start? I think it started for me as a child when my Siamese cat was hit by a car and I could I could see her ghost in the house. Wow. And, you know, when you're when you're eight years old, you don't know other people can't see what you can see which is, you know, in my current time, I really am a big believer in understanding what children are actually seeing. As time went on, I realized I could see more. And since I didn't deny what I could do, I started to study my little heart out. I have a, you know, a modest library now where I looked at what other people have been through and how did they learn how to do this? But I had a series of very bizarre events that put me in a position to be able to do something called remote viewing, which I know has certainly gotten a lot of press over the last several years. And when you do, when you can do remote viewing, you can see through walls and doors and you can see into another dimension. And that enabled me to actually see the ghosts. So that was a whole new experience. That's amazing. You know, that's one thing I haven't really touched upon in this podcast is remote viewing. And so what Tina was saying, that's the ability to sort of see into different times, different dimensions, perhaps looking at a, at a planet. I know that, you know, even the army, uh, the U S army and even the Russians have admitted to using remote viewing in their studies. And they probably don't tell us all that they're, they're using it for in, in their you know, what they're seeing, but what's your experience there? I have discovered that when somebody wants me to have an ability, I wake up with it. So I didn't go to a school, but when I was in the Navy, I was a terrorist expert and you learn a lot about how evil works when you study terrorism. Mm -hmm. And they sent me to terrorist school, which sounds really funny, but it was a, they had CIA and State Department and ambassadors and all kinds of interesting people in this school. And one of the speakers was General Dozier, and he was kidnapped by the Red Brigade in Italy. The CIA used remote viewers to find him. And his, the accuracy of the, the accuracy of the remote viewers was astounding. And that was one of my first real examples of how this could be used for something positive. So finding a missing person using remote viewing is really difficult. I didn't want to digress too much from your topic, but I think that the CIA, FBI, 
KGB, various services have used it for a very long time now, I would say at least 40 to 50 years. Wow. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting subject because it, it, it does sort of split off into that paranormal, the unknown, the unseen. And there are well, like, go ahead. This uses quantum entanglement theory and string theory. And when you start studying that, and you take what people call the airy fairy out of it, and you move into that pure physics, everything begins to make sense. Then you understand how remote viewing works. So you can actually sort of see the science behind it. It's not just absolutely a myth. Allegedly, exactly. it becomes a, a real thing that you can actually lay evidence thing. with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's such a fascinating thing. And so you have a natural clairvoyant ability since you were a kid and it's grown into other abilities such as what hearing and remote viewing and other, other such things. Correct. I was able to see them when I lived in Italy. It's in one of the ghost stories. I discovered that there was a lieutenant. It's the story's called the lieutenant's roommate. And she had a ghost who was living with her, but I didn't know that he had been with her since she was a child. And she was in love with him. It was it was so stunning. I could clearly see him standing in the corner with his fedora hat and his trench coat. And and he was crazy about her. She never married. She made Admiral. She was a really fine naval officer, you know. And, and, she, and I didn't know how to cross people over in the 70s. I can do that now. But in, in the 70s, I didn't know how to do that. I had to learn I had to learn how to do a lot of this, and it was not always easy. <laughs> In her case, I could see him so clearly. And and the way it works for me is I'm not the person who sees them everywhere I go, and it's, I'm bombarded. I have layers of protection so that if I'm supposed to see something, then I'm able to see it and manage it in a much more controlled and non-chaotic manner. That's really interesting. You bring up such an interesting point too about attachments. And I want to get into this in a little further in, in our chat, but I'm going to make a note there that this is something I want to bring up in a little bit. Before we get okay. into that, what do you say to skeptics that say, well, this stuff isn't real? Ghosts aren't real. That's, <laughs> I have a trademark called explaining the physics of metaphysics. I would take them back to the laws of thermodynamics. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. That is science 101. So the energy that animates a butterfly is constantly recycled, or water is, you know, it's ice and it's fog and it's sleet and it's rain and it's humidity. It, you cannot destroy energy. That which animates us is an energy. That energy cannot be destroyed. So when the physical frame disintegrates, the frame, the vehicle that houses the energy can go to compost. But the energy of us, which we call our soul, continues and just keeps going. And whether somebody chooses to believe in ghosts or not is irrelevant. The science is hard science. It's irrefutable. If the U.S. Navy can't explain energy, 
and can't figure out how to destroy it, let me assure you, nobody can. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay, that's a great explanation. And, you know, what about the the topic of Halloween? It seems to me from what I've been looking at and and from the things that I've researched that Halloween tends to have more of an energy to bring about the paranormal to people. Have you noticed this in your work? It can, certainly. All Hallows' Eve, it's a time of honoring the paranormal. Basically, that's what Halloween is, All Hallows' Eve. And it's like it's it's the time when they say souls are restless. Well, they're not any more restless on the 31st of October than they are on any other day. Mm-hmm. But on that day, there is an awareness that is brought to it. And when you study feng shui, when you start bringing awareness to something, you give it an energy. Once you've given it an energy, then there can be more animation and more activity that surrounds it. So that may be where that comes from. Interesting. That's a good point. Now, with your background in the Navy, I mean, this is really interesting to me because I wonder if those two worlds ever cross for you. You you mentioned a story with um, a naval officer in Italy. Was that a sort of continuing story for you? Did you did you still notice things when you were working on on your on the boat or in an office? Did you see things? You have to remember when I joined the Navy, which was in the seventies. Women could not serve aboard ship. And an awful lot of us broke down a lot of doors to enable the follow-on generations behind us to be able to do those things. And the Navy was forced to allow more women because there simply are not enough men. That's the, that's the truth. Right. It's a numbers game. Right. However, what I did see, and I was never, I could never serve aboard ship, but I have been on and worked through and worked with every class of submarine except Seawolf. So I could practically give you a tour from diesel boats to tridents and fast attacks. So it's the most fascinating world with some of the finest men you can possibly imagine working with it. Brilliant, brilliant people, high character. I can't say enough about these men. And every single successful submariner is more than a little bit psychic. Because if you're deliberately submerging your ship, you have to feel the energy of the ship. You have to know your crew. You have to feel when something's off. And I can't tell you how many captains I know told me that right before they had a collision with a Soviet submarine, they had a bad feeling that something was going to happen. Everyone is psychic. I mean, I'm going to digress slightly if that's all right. Absolutely. Everyone is psychic. You cannot go through mortal life without that sixth sense, that gut feeling, that voice in your head, because it keeps you safe. Do you don't change lanes or I just know that driver's going to do something or I have a bad feeling about today. Maybe I should listen. And when you listen, you start building psychic ability. I have people say all the time, you know, how do you build it? How do you make it work? Listen, listen to that still small voice and the finest submariners, the most successful captains, including my husband, who spent 42 years at sea, we're still married after 49 years. Listen, always listen to that voice, paid attention. 
And those are the best moms. Those are the best supervisors on a factory floor, best captains, best airline pilots, you know, train conductors, best doctors and nurses. They listen with another sense. They see with new eyes. I love that. Very, very well said. And I totally resonate with everything there. So as my listeners know, um, I am, you know, I'm on this path. And one of the things I do watch, I watch a lot of reality-based ghost videos. And for me, I guess it's just my way of sort of connecting with that unseen world. And it just, for me, it's a little bit of the magic. But one thing that you notice, though, in these in these shows, um, and they're really just captures, right? Just compilations is, are the things that I watch. Are you know the people go in there and they're not really intending to really do much other than to capture what they want to capture. And some of the, some of the things they capture are downright, you know, frightening. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, if you don't know what you're doing, and you know, in the end, they're not really helping people. They're not really helping. They're just sort of capturing and then they're running. But one thing I want to sort of touch base on before we go into the um, the human side of of the paranormal, I have been noticing there's sort of a trending thing with like capturing really strange entities on cam- on camera. Things like something called the rake or the reiki. Have you heard of such an entity? I have not. There are, and and thank you for using the term entity and not spirit. An entity can have many definitions. So what you're describing, I, I would need more of a definition. On the In the fourth dimension, that other world, you have black magicians, you have lower realm intelligences, and you have other kinds of beings. Sometimes you may not have seen them before. Mm. And maybe there's something new that's come in since the craziness has swept the world. It's very difficult to know that for sure without actually seeing it. And I have not seen that. I've seen some really dark things on the other side and I have removed all that I can. However, I'm not familiar specifically with the term you're using. Okay. And, and, you know, like you said, there's probably countless types of entities and they call them whatever they want to call them just so that you know the human can kind of label them. But in this case, they're like, they seem very physical. So, for example, there was a woman who heard something in her roof, uh, in her attic, and she went up there with a the camera, and she was looking around. She heard a bang, and all of a sudden, she saw this really white, really white, uh, light-skinned being with no hair anywhere, and it was crawling towards her with really long, skinny arms and moving really fast, but crawling. And this thing looked physical. And so, like, you know, the video obviously ended, but I, I've seen this before. They, they, they capture the same kind of being in the woods and all this. And it's like, I think that's really hard to fake. And for me, it feels like I resonate this to be true. How are these beings showing themselves as physical like that? Well, I'm going to ask you a question. In all your years of study, have you ever seen these before? I haven't. Well, I don't have a an answer that I'm confident saying, oh, I know it's this, because the Mm -hmm. truth is I don't. I can offer a supposition, but I don't exactly know that answer. And the supposition I would offer is that when you have bio labs all over the world who are experimenting in multiple dimensions, when you have HARP and you have CERN, you're opening doors to a variety of dimensions. And the problem is, You don't know what's on the other side. 
nor is anyone prepared to deal with what comes through and how it behaves. You know, I got chills as you said that because I, you are so in the zone on that answer. I really resonate with so deeply with that because I totally agree. That's probably what's going on is that these are probably some sort of experiment interdimensional beings that are just sort of lost and angry and afraid. Um, I resonate so deeply with that. And that's why I feel that this has been happening sort of more and more and more and capturing more of these strange entities that are like, you know, the stuff that are found on beaches, the really just things that scientists don't know what, what they are. And I think you've hit the nail on, on the head there. That's exactly what I think is going on. It are all these mm-hmm. hidden laboratories and strange and with CERN, like you said, are creating portals and whatnot. That's such a fascinating thing. It's a fascinating thing. And, and what is, I'll use the word challenging for lack of a better word, is that when scientists do not behave responsibly, they put other people who are completely innocent at risk. And that incurs a really unfortunate level of karma. Yeah, I agree. Now, what about moving into an idea such as Bigfoot? And uh, the Bigfoot sort of myth has been around for hundreds, if not thousands of years. The Native Americans have talked about this creature. It's been seen on multiple different continents. Um, where I am in BC, it's, it, it's, it's been seen here as well. And you're in Washington State. It's been there, seen there as well. What are your thoughts on that? Is that something from a bio lab or is that something from a, the fourth density, fourth dimension that you were talking about? I have studied many different native culture, native cultural lores, and whether it's Asia with the Yeti and Bigfoot here, there are interdimensional beings. And I believe that's what Bigfoot is. That's why they've never found remains of Bigfoot. They've never found a dwelling in Good Lord, they have people out there looking. Practically 24 hours a day, somebody's looking. Mm -hmm. The video of them is so difficult. It's always vague. It's always shadowy. It's as if they are the one group that knows how to move interdimensionally. And they've been here for a very long time. There's an intelligence with them based on all the different anecdotal reports. And these people aren't crazy. They saw something and it alarmed them. But this also goes back to Native Americans, whether it's Hopi or Navajo or, you know, all the different tribes have talked about shapeshifters. And if you have to survive in the woods, you and, and you need cover. So you need to be wearing something or a body that has the ability to move through the forest as undetected as possible. And so if you can move between dimensions, and maybe there are a lot more doorways now than there used to be, or we have a lot more people looking, or we've just cut down way too many trees and they're now really visible. All of those things are possibilities. Wow. You bring up a really, a really great thing too that I, I totally resonate with. And what, one thing that came to my mind was skinwalkers. That's a really big uh, topic in the, well, sort of a, a taboo topic in, in the Native American folklore about them being sort of a shapeshifter. 
And they are not here for good things. They are usually to scare or to attack or to do some damage. And so they tend not to talk about this stuff. It's sort of a taboo thing. Um, what do you, have you had any experience with sort of like the skinwalker or something similar? Well, it all goes back to black magic. Mm-hmm. And black magic has existed since the times of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve weren't naked and afraid, eating delicious fruit and getting into trouble. It's far more complicated than that. And black magic goes back to the Lucifer Rebellion, because black this type of black magic does not exist on all planets. It exists here, based on things that happened historically before we measured time. And because of that, you're going to have a lot of intelligences, entities, whatever label you want to attach to them, that native people could see. And as they learned to do different things that kept their vibrations high, and that included their families. Families, the family unit keeps keeps a, um, a family unit high, especially if it's a high-functioning, loving family where people love one another and they help each other. The higher your frequency, the less likely you are to encounter these things higher your immune system, which is your force field, which is your auric field, the less likely you are to have these things come at you or toward you. Certain things make your immune system, your auric field look like Swiss cheese. So those are, everything is connected. Right. And you bring up black magic. Now, yes. I, th- I think in North America, it, this topic isn't as sort of on the front lines as it is as somewhere in South America. My wife is from Colombia, and the idea of black magic and curses are very real there. In fact, she has, I don't know, two or three or four direct sort of uh, experiences with people that she knows that have been affected by people that have been put, putting curses on one another. And so it's very normal for people to go to a... I don't know what you want to call them, a, uh, a shaman or whatever to, to curse a family or, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of giggling, but it's crazy and it's just normal there. Are there things that you can do to dissolve these curses to protect yourself from this? I could do an entire episode just on protection. Hmm. There is such a thing as black magic because we know there's such a thing as evil. Mm-hmm. If there was no evil, how would life be different? People didn't have negative intent. How would life be different? I used to live in Colombia. I lived in Medellin. Hmm. So um, it's a beautiful country. Beautiful country. Right. And whether it's a curse, and a curse is someone decides to do something. And I have in, clients from India, and they talk about curses. It's like it's bread and butter. Somebody cursed me or they cursed my daughter. And I hear this constantly. And curses seem to become generational. And if someone believes that they have a curse, then the higher they take their spiritual path, the more they elevate themselves on a spiritual path and make a connection to God not to spirit. You don't know who's there. If your clear intention through the power of prayer, I don't care what your faith is or isn't, 
you will begin to build a divine connection. It is the number one protection from black magic. Cleanliness is next to godliness because it protects you from black magic. Salt, the sea air. If you can't be at a beach and you use salt, salt works in every dimension. I know I use it all the time on both sides of the veil. And when you fill your life with blessing and prayer, and you build the strength of your family unit, and you start to listen to one another differently, and you don't give energy to the concept of a curse, you give energy to love, at the end of the day, love really is the answer. And if you fall in love with humanity, like many of the great beings who walk the earth did, it elevates you and no curse can touch you. That's my, my easiest answer. I like that. Now, so is this a part of that spiritual immunity that you're talking about? Yes, it takes, it takes a little time to build your spiritual immunity. But once you do it and you build layers of immunity, I mean, I mean, we're going to have snow here in Blaine next week. And I'm not going to walk out there in underwear. I'm going to wear layer after layer after layer of different kinds of clothing <clears throat> to protect me from that cold element. When you walk a spiritual path, you must also have layers of spiritual protection. I can do a dissertation on this. It's, there's so much that you can do. Some of them are really basic. But once you start putting on those layers of protection, you begin to strengthen every element of your being. And your path of soul evolution takes a giant leap higher on that evolutionary ladder. And focusing on just what you need to do, you call it protection. And I have certainly used that term many times. But what if it's more? simply raising your vibration. And I am going to recommend a wonderful book called Power Versus Force. And this book, I'm trying to remember this guy's, David Hawkins. David Hawkins wrote a remarkable book called Power Versus Force. And I highly recommend anyone on an evolutionary path might find great insight here. He talks directly about raising your frequency. I have a book called Karma and Frequency where I talk about all the things that lower frequency and all the things that raise frequency. What David Hawkins does is he gives you the calculations of what that frequency is. For instance, when you look at how you define a soul, a person who takes their own life is the lowest frequency of all. Because it's violence against oneself. The next lowest is murder, violence against others. And then it goes through the depression ranks. Happiness is a much higher frequency. I mean, I am so thrilled and happy to be having this conversation with you, to share these concepts with others. It just, it fills every soul of my being with light. And as you are sharing this, 
all the cells of your being are also filled with light. And where there is powerful light, there is no darkness. No curse can touch you. So that's power. That's true power versus force. That's true power. And, and the truth of, of who we truth. really are and, and, and love. I love that. It's fantastic. And you've some other, other great topics that you've, you touched upon that I want to get into in just a little bit. Now, before we get into sort of the standard idea of ghosts, are there actual entities or ghosts out there that are actually just trying to be mischievous that are just trying to cause harm? Like for example, I don't know if that's related to poltergeist activity, but maybe someone is getting scratched or, you know, ideas like that. Are there actual, like, are you able to label, say, okay, that's, that's a ghost that doesn't want to be helped. That's, that's more of a, a collective entity that's trying to hurt and feed off of fear, for example. I've had so many of these cases, people wake up with bruises. Um, one young psychic nine-year-old would have stab marks on her back when she was in the shower. You could actually see them forming from her mother would tell me. This happens all the time. And the stab marks came from a little girl whose parents died. And she wanted the mother of the living child who she was stabbing with a knife. She didn't understand she was dead. She was angry. She wanted attention. And the family had no idea what to do. It took that mom 18 months before she found me. And in five minutes, I crossed the child over and all of that activity stopped. So was she evil? No. I had a, a same thing happen to my grandson. Uh, there was a little girl ghost who came home with my granddaughter. And this ghost was, was sticking psychic pins into the baby's arm. And he's screaming and screaming. And, you know, my daughter-in-law called and said, there's something really wrong here. Can you please take a look? And, I, of course, I, I could see this little girl. And she said, you, I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, nobody will talk to me. And I'm mad. Because nobody will talk to me. And I said, how old are you? She said, well, I'm seven. And, I, and she said, all my mommy does is cry. And I'm so mad. And I said, sweetie, what was the last thing you remember? She said, I was swinging. And I said, let me guess, you were swinging so high. You thought you could be a bird. Yes, I was swinging so high. And I said, and then you let go, didn't you? Yes, I let go of the swing so I could pretend to be a bird. And then the next thing I remember, mommy's crying and I don't understand. So I crossed her over and my grandson went to sleep and there were no more marks. So was this, were both of these little girls evil? No. In that case, the answer is definitely no. But in another really chilling case, there was a woman from uh, Upper New York State who contacted me, and she didn't have very much money. And I said, use the crossing over prayer. And if that doesn't work, I'll just help you. But I, I want you to have the power to do this yourself. And here is her, I'll be quick about this, her story. Her father was a convicted murderer, and he was executed for murder, many people. It's horrific when you have a family member who does these things. She has a little girl, this woman, 
Her father's dead, but he never leaves her alone. He's constantly whispering in her ear, kill the baby, kill the baby, kill the baby. It's terrifying. And he he doesn't ever sleep. Remember, the dead don't sleep. There's no time where they are, so it's not like they get tired. And so she said, it's horrible because my daughter keeps saying, Mommy, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. You can see how terrifying this is for someone. And, and I said, you need to feel you have power in a situation over your father. You have to be able to take your power back from him. I want you to say this prayer over and over and over with power in your voice out loud and mean it. And she said that prayer again and again and again. And she felt what clients tell me is the subtle shift. And then her daughter says, mommy, mommy, the bad man's gone. And all that she heard was had been hearing stop and it never returned. If that's not a testimony to the power of this particular prayer, I don't know what is. That's incredible. Wow. And for, and you know, like uh, I, I, I just had empathy going as you were telling the story for, for the daughter and, and the daughter of the daughter. Um, but it's so good to know um, that you have the power, but you got to fight. You have to know you have the power and, some of us don't, some of us are, you know, we're, we're taught that we're victims. And so, you know, once you reclaim that power within you and, you know, through the power of prayer, for example, and then you see the evidence in your life, it's just so also, you know, empowering to be like, wow, I do have control over my life. I, I don't have to be in fear all the time. And that's just for me, so empowering. You bring up something great that I want to talk about quickly is attachments. So this woman, for example, because of her father's, uh, it was her father and he was just a, a really bad guy. He was attached to his daughter. Now you had mentioned your granddaughter, somebody followed her home. Now for the idea of attachments, how does this happen? Is it sometimes generational or is it sometimes that we're out, you know, walking around and an entity or a ghost or a spirit sees us and says, Hey, I, I want to follow that person home. I think I can talk to them. All of the above are true. All of the above happen. I have chapter and verse on all those stories. Client was visiting Los, um, San Francisco and went into a, a bar from the, the 1800s and a call girl, a dance hall saloon girl, performer followed her home and she kept feeling this weird thing. And so we crossed her over. So you can have an attachment from a ghost Remember, if your frequency is super high, they can see the light, but some of them can't quite approach you. They genuinely want help. They're going to keep trying. And hopefully, as more and more people learn about the crossing over prayer, they can use it. And I would, I would like to digress just slightly. There are an awful lot of genuinely sincere, lovely people in the New Age community who are super turned off by religion and the thought of prayer. They've been hurt. They have been brutalized by faith. They've been called sinners and a whole bunch of other things. That is not God. 
that is what some person decided. And it, it took me a while to get past that. And when, once I did, it's like this doorway opened up and it's, you can go back. You don't need an intermediary. That's the point of the crossing over prayer book. There are 88 prayers in that book that help you cross over everything from drug addicts to children who died to murderers. You must cross over murderers because they'll keep haunting the living and the dead and they haunt their victims. When you can get past this, I hate religion. Go ahead. hate religion. But don't allow that to stop you from building a personal connection with the divine that's just unique for you. And when you do that and you use, I mean, you can make your own prayer. You don't have to use mine. If you don't want to make your own prayer, these are kind of handy. On ghosthelpers.com, there's a whole bunch of them and they're free. If you use the audio books, you can just play the book and it will do it for you. There's help out there. If you think you have an attachment, if you have a family member who committed suicide, there's one woman in South Africa who was suicidal before she found found us. And she had 17 family members take their own lives. 17. This is why people say that suicide is contagious. Using the crossing over prayer for suicide, 100% of those people were crossed over. All her suicidal ideation stopped that fast. She got married. Her job improved. She felt alive again because the heaviness of the ghosts was literally, that attachment was literally sucking the life out of her. Those people didn't mean to be cruel. They just needed help. And now she can have a life. Am I answering your question? Yeah, that's that's you know I really appreciate that uh, digression as well with with the religious prayer and uh, and you know these these the suicide thing. I want to dive into that this a little bit more. What happens from their perspective if you know when they commit suicide? <laughs> what does that look like for them? <clears throat> suicide is despair on a level that is so profound. It's as if your vision comes down to this and all you can see is darkness. You're cloaked in it. You're wrapped in it. You're you're drowning in this emotional pain. And family members don't know what you're feeling. They don't know how to help you. And some people are really good actors. They make, they make out like everything's just fine and you're not going to know that they're going to do this. Some people fell into the alcohol and the drug addiction trap. And then you have mountains of additional attachments of all of the alcoholics and the drug addicts who died you can have up to 60 ghosts in a human body. That's not my statistic. That's Bruce Goldberg and Raymond Moody, two MDs who have discovered that ghosts inhabit mortal bodies. 
It's one of the reasons when some people used to have shock therapy, they would say that they were finally alone in their body. That's an astounding statement. They're finally alone in their body. Well, who else was there? If they have a mental illness and a, an auric field that looks like Swiss cheese, these ghosts just walk right in. Alcohol drops your frequency to zero while it cycles through your body. Drugs, drugs shred your auric field and a whole bunch of other beings that you did not know you invited can enter that field, which is why giving up alcohol and drug addiction is so almost impossible unless you remove all those ghosts and you repair your auric field. Wow. And so you're saying that people and a lot of people, a lot of us are being influenced by these depressed entities, by these depressed spirits. So maybe would they experience that through emotion or through thought, for example, maybe the thoughts that they're thinking aren't actually theirs. That is exactly what happens. A lot of times they, it's like this woman who was told to kill her daughter. Those weren't her thoughts. She knew how to separate them. But if you're drinking, it's why people say, you know, he becomes a different person. Who is that person? Someone he doesn't even know who walked in because he had hard out, he had hard liquor. Somebody has a glass of wine occasionally. It's not that big a deal. But if you have a bottle of wine, yeah, you've just lowered your frequency. It all goes back. God is a mathematician. God is the first mathematician. Everything in the universe is frequency. Everything. So what you take into your body raises or lowers frequency. People you're with raise or lower your frequency. All those things. And so, yes, you can have these people who are entering your body and they don't have a, a positive. It's not just they're around you. That's different. They are physically in your body. There was a woman who was uh, suffering from obsessive compulsive disorder. And it's like it came on overnight. And she had a ghost with her who was OCD. Crossed the ghost over and she wasn't OCD anymore. It was bizarre. But that's what happens. You can also have a very unusual attachment. If someone had a miscarriage and the baby didn't cross over, it was far enough along, or you can have an abortion and the baby's still there, the next child you have always feels like there's a twin or somebody near them. And it can dramatically affect their life. It's interesting. It, it, it is really fascinating. Are there ways, are there things that we can do? Can we use the crossing over prayer, for example, whether we're conscious about us having an, an attachment or not? Will that actually help detach us from that entity? If I have clients who say the crossing over prayer every night before they go to bed, just in case. It's sort of their insurance policy, and and they it feel they feel like it keeps them safe, and it's a it's just really really helpful. And uh, on ghosthelpers.com, you can also purchase crossing over prayer cards. They they um they look like this, and they mm -hmm. have the prayer on them. And um, I have people who travel. I when I travel, I kept them in my luggage. I keep them in my purse. So that as someone is coming toward me, they are automatically getting help because the prayer 
card itself is, let's just say it's very powerful and how it opens up doorways for people to cross over. Now, if you're really a psychic person and you have to go to a hospital, that is torture for most true psychics because the dead come at you. I, I don't mean to sound this derogatory, but they come at you like this swarm of uh, it looks like insects. They come at you and you just feel like you're you're coming. You're just drowning in it. And there's a tool you can use. You have to keep thinking about it. It's a very protective tool. And that is if you visualize that you visualize yourself inside a triangle. And a triangle is one of the most powerful uh, geometric shapes in the universe. Really, really powerful. You have an archangel in front of you at the point of the triangle. And you have an archangel on either shoulder at the back two corners of the triangle. And you move through a hospital inside the triangle and you've got angels and you're in fore and aft and they're handling everything that comes at you. You'll be all right. And you will have done a huge service. That's amazing. Thank you for that, uh, for that, uh, that protection. Um, yeah, I've never heard of that one before. That sounds very powerful. Now I just want to briefly go back to people that have lost someone due to suicide. And I, I can just imagine the grief that someone's going through. And I want to just create a sort of a pathway for those. If you have someone that you've lost through suicide, or if you have known someone that have, has been lost by suicide, what can you say to them that about their loved one? Their loved one suffered in ways they couldn't tell you. They couldn't explain to you because they didn't understand it themselves. And they took their own life to escape the torture they were feeling. It wasn't that you failed them. You couldn't possibly know what they were experiencing. They didn't want you to know. Take that cloak of guilt and take it off and throw it away. Use the Crossing Over Prayer for Suicide, which is in the Crossing Over Prayer book. It's on Amazon. And Say that prayer over and over and over and over, and you will enable that soul to have the light they may not have had in millennia. The uh, One of the prayers in the Crossing Over Prayer book is the prayer after you've crossed your loved one over who took their own life. And that was a request from a, a woman named Peggy Douglas in South Dakota. And I... Gave, I wrote a prayer for her, for her, for her son, and she crossed her son over, and she felt this light come back into her life. She wouldn't have believed it. And then she said, but, you know, I love my son so much. Is there something I can still do? And I said, yes, I'll write a prayer that you can say every night and send to him in the heaven world. And even though he died... The fact that you crossed him over, and it may be the first time in millennia that he's had relief from this darkness because he just kept reincarnating from the fourth dimension, and he never got to experience the light. Once he's crossed over, now you know that he's going to get counselors of divine wisdom. They will help him understand his depression. He may have a much longer time before coming back. And he can be wiser because he's had that time to rest in divine light. 
and you gave that to him, this most precious gift. And in her prayers, she continues to send him her love. It elevates her as the mother, and it elevates the recipient in the heaven world. All prayers are felt. Hmm. That's so powerful. Thank you for that. Going into a very similar sort of sidestepping into people that have perhaps lost a lost their children, lost their child, lost their young child. What can you say to people that are in, in grief that are just, you know, I've lost my child. They're carrying guilt. Is it, is it similar to the suicide or, you know, cause a lot of people feel that maybe it's permanent, right? Like I've lost my, my child and it's, it's forever. In 2003, uh, my six-year-old niece sat on the sofa next to my sister and she said, mommy, I feel hot. And she died right in front of my sister. Mm. And I remote viewed and I tried to get her to go back in her body. And she says, no, I'm done. And she, she helps me on the other side with children. Mm. She only needed a few experiences. And the, experience of watching a family whose child died is excruciating. Whether you're the parent and your child died, if somebody says, oh, I know how you feel, can't possibly know. How that person, how that parent feels is a, is a level of pain that goes to the core of your very being, to your very soul. Because you have aka cords that connect you. You are Again, through entanglement and string theory, you are connected to that person very heavily. When that child dies, you feel like something inside of you died. And I would offer every single parent who has lost a child by any means a concept. Every child's death has a purpose. If that child's death didn't have a purpose, it wouldn't happen. Some souls only need a few years on, on in a mortal body and they leave because they have something else to do. They didn't need a hundred years here. They're not going to be Betty White or the Queen. They're going to leave earlier. Some children live a few hours. Maybe they needed to know briefly what it was like to have parents who love them so much mm. and are just devastated that the baby died. Or your teenager dies in a car accident. It's you grieve the experiences with that child you're never going to have. You're never going to see them graduate or get married or have a baby or or all you're grieving, not just for that person's death, but you're grieving for all the experiences you will never have with that person. But that person may not have needed a full life. And it's not for us to understand. And I, I wrote a book after my niece died called The Lightworker's Guide to Healing Grief. And I talk extensively about what it's like to build yourself back up over a staggering grief, whether you your husband died or your beloved parent died. Healing grief is a challenge every mortal person has to face on earth at some point in some way. No one leads an entire mortal life without suffering grief. How you handle that grief begins to determine your strength of character and your evolution on your karmic path in life. It's hard work. 
I give people a lot of tools. That which helps a parent whose, whose child has died the most is to keep loving more. And I give them the example that, that if you're, if you've lost someone, you hold yourself close. It's like if you hold your fist really tightly, after a while, your fist is in pain and your arm and your shoulder and your whole body is in pain. But if you let the light of love in, you can leave your hand open without any pain for a long, long time. And if you can't seem to get past your grief, get a grief counselor. There are certain remedies. Uh, one of them is a Bach, B-A-C-H, Bach flower remedy called Rescue Remedy, which is for shock, and Star of Bethlehem, which is specifically for grief. Uh, Botanical Alchemy has a remedy called Healing Grief. And my brother died about six years ago. And I was, I was on every remedy you could imagine because I... I adored him. It was a very difficult death. And I had to take my own advice and remember how much I loved him and how much he loved me. And I crossed him over as he flatlined. I was so fortunate to be able to do that. And I know where he is. I know that he has work to do on the other side. And I love my memories of him. And I send prayers to him. And if you've had someone in your life who is no longer there, it doesn't mean you won't see them again. And I'll give you another example if I have another moment, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, please. Uh, my daughter got a master's degree in England, and she and her husband were living there. And she was in Bath, England, which is a fabulous place. And there's a church in downtown Bath, which is centuries old. Of course, everything in England is centuries old. and on the walls of the church, inside the walls, they have people buried. And then outside of each of these crypts, they tell the story of the person and how much they love the person. And there was one of them where this woman is going on and on. She's talking about her niece died and how close she was. And she loved this niece. And I burst into tears. I was that woman. And the niece who died is my daughter today. And I knew it with a certainty. It was a part of my heart that just felt this joy that even though she died five or six hundred years ago, today I'm the same remarkable soul is standing beside me. But that grief was just as painful as I was standing there as the day she died five hundred years ago. Love lives forever. Thank you for that. That's amazingly beautiful. I, I feel my heart heart singing there. Um, sort of now another sort of sidestep into a little bit more of the, the the ghosts and stuff. I've experienced something pretty interesting, and it was actually within the past couple of years that um, the manifestation of coins. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like this, but when I saw this coin, for example, we moved into this house, my wife and I, and when we moved downstairs. Uh, we moved into the house, we walked downstairs and we saw this coin, this, uh, it wasn't a Canadian coin. It wasn't, wasn't an American coin. It was a Colombian coin. 
There was, and there was no way that somebody where I live was was able to place a Colombian coin, you know, because your your left brain, your your ego mind says, "Oh, how someone must have dropped a coin." But we both had felt that there was something more to the story about this coin being left. And I've heard also too also stories of coins being left, and that's sort of a, a sign of perhaps angels. What is your take on that? Well, where do you think the song "Pennies from Heaven" came from? <laughs> <laughs> I hear that story a lot, and sometimes there are ghosts who place them. Sometimes there are phenomena that take place for which there is no logical explanation. I can give you a bunch of theories, but the truth is I honestly don't know. I believe all things are possible and that there's no such thing as no such thing. Right. And I'm with you there too. I, I, but I also believe there's no coincidence too. So yes, there could be a logical explanation, but if you rule out all that logic and there's something else there, well, there probably is something else there and there's probably a sign for you or a message for you. And it's usually in, in this case for us, it felt like a very positive message that this is where we're meant to be. This was the home that we were meant to live in. And it just brought us joy. It brought us just a really, uh, an internal peace, an internal just, yes, we're aligned to our truth. So if that happens to you, you know, take that as a sign that, you know, you're being um, led or guided uh, to, to your truth, and it's a good sign. I think so. If it made you feel good, then go with it. I mean, right. what are the odds of a Colombian coin? It wasn't like she is using Colombian coins in, in, in Canada. No, it's, so it, it, that would be highly unusual, which tells you there's a, something a little bit supernatural going on there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that brings us joy, right? That, you know, she had lost her father. And so perhaps it could have been her father and, you know, sending a message and all that. So they are still connected to us, like you said, right? They, they Can they still communicate to us through through dreams or something like that? Is that possible? Yes. Yes, they absolutely can communicate through dreams. Uh, my brother comes to me in a dream, and when they cross over, they can't continue to be talking to you, but they can come to you in dreams. And it was as if he was standing in front of me. It was so real. It was jaw-droppingly real that he was there. Everything was just insanely familiar. And I know that the dreams that... Souls who move into the heaven world can communicate with the living in dreams. And again, I, I have a story about that, which I can keep pretty quick. Please. I, my, uh, my neighbor I used to live in San Diego, and my neighbor took his own life. He was, a, he was drinking, and he was taking drugs, and he just felt like the world was closing in on him, and he took his own life. And he said, you know, I didn't, he appeared in my bedroom before I had enough protection up. I was still a youngster in the arts. And um, I said, you know, Tom, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I didn't know you were so bright. I said, well, you can't just come into somebody's bedroom. He says, you just got to help me. I don't care if I'm in your bedroom. You got to get my wife out of the house. And I said, he said, you go down, go down the street. Knock on the door and tell her I sent you and that you're you got to get her. Out. That house is horrible. They're these bad beings. These they were lower realm intelligences. I knew what they were. And and he said, and uh, and she's got to leave. 
I don't want her to take her life too, because it's worse on this side once you've done that. And I said, well, it looks really well on television. The be- beautifully coiffed psychic knocks on the door and they play beautiful music and she's welcomed in. Doesn't happen in real life. They think you're horrible, that you're harassing the, the family. Goes really badly. I've only done it a couple times and it was really hard. I said, but you know what? We're going to cross you over. And when you cross over, you're going to have the divine beings help you to help your wife in the sleep state. And he said, well, man, if it doesn't work, I'm going to come back. And I said, well, it, it, it's kind of a one-way door. You're not going to come back. He said, well, if I don't like it, and I said, I've never had any customers tell me they didn't like it. <laughs> a lot of happy people. And I said, I'm giving you my word that you'll be able to communicate with her in the sleep state. And so I assigned an angel. And this is really important for people to hear. God does not judge those who take their lives. They're just welcomed home and given healing. It's so compassionate. Just want people to know that. And the very next day, (laughs) she moved out of that house and she never set foot in it again. She hired a company to go in and pack her out. She never touched that house again. Finally, after three more people had problems, one family let me clear the house. And then there were no more suicides and no more deaths in that house. Wow. So he was able to communicate with her so quickly in the sleep state. I was stunned. It worked so fast. That is amazing. And and he yeah. tried to go through you to physically go and knock on the door. And, well, he, what yeah. else could he ask Did, for? Yeah. He didn't, yeah. he didn't know. He was a good man who bought the house from hell. And that's in one of the ghost stories, ghost story oh. books. And he really bought the house from hell. Wow. That's such a fascinating story. I, I love this stuff. <laughs> now I got a couple more questions before we sort of finish up. And uh, one of them is, you know, what what does one expect when you're when when you're dying or when you're when you when you just die? What do you see? What should you do? Uh, you know, remember the movie Ghost, the Patrick Swayze, Whoopi Goldberg, Demi Moore mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, that is probably the most accurate depiction. If you're murdered, sometimes you see your body, sometimes you don't. If you're in a car accident, I had a, a, my brother used to work for Screen Actors Guild and he called me, friend, you know, I got a producer and, you know, somebody hit, hit and she was hit and run and she died at the scene, but I can still hear her. You've got to go send her on. So I said, okay. A lot of times you have no idea you're dead. None. She was still trying to get her phone to work. And, and when I'm, Remote viewing, I'm projecting, and I, I look like this sort of light being. That's why they you'll see in the books, the ghost story books, they call me the light lady. And I I said, you know, I I called her by name. You know, I, I've been sent to help you understand that um, there was a, you were in an accident. And she said, I know. I am trying to get this cop to understand that I have got to get my husband in a tow truck. And I said, He's not being rude. You died in that accident. She says to me, oh, sweetie, you don't understand. 
I don't know who you are, but I have a nail appointment. My kids have a birthday party and oh I have a big gosh. meeting with Paramount next week. And then I've got, you know, I'm talking to Amblin Entertainment. I can't be dead. Wow. I am too busy. I said, well, unfortunately, you're not going to make those appointments and see this beautiful angel who's got this beautiful shawl for your shoulders. They're going to gently cross you over. And your time here is over, and I, I'm so sorry. You're going to be missed. Truly, you will be. And she just went into shock, and I had her crossed over. There are people who sit for, I also remote view back through stacks of time. And I found people four or 500 years ago who died, and they didn't understand why the sun never came up. They're just in darkness. How do you know you're dead? It's a tough thing. But if you ever die and you question whether you're dead, ask for an angel. They will appear. And in the in the ghost movie, the Patrick Swayze movie, this light comes down, and it does for most people. If, if someone you know is dying, bring the light to surround them, and as soon as as soon as they flatline, bring have an angel ready to go. As soon as, and tell the angel to cross your loved one over and be specific right now. In all of the prayers, there's a term right now, because in this fourth dimension, there's no time. So you have to indicate when you want this to happen. So she got crossed over very quickly. Children don't know what to do. They keep waiting for an adult to tell them. And I just have hundreds and hundreds of these stories. Some people know they're dead. They really know they're dead. And they don't cross over because they can see all these people around them are also dead, but don't know it. And they can't leave them, but they're kind of stuck. So when you open up the door with the crossing over prayer, it's like you open up this golden doorway. And all these people are welcomed and their their injuries are gone and their pain is gone and their worry just lifts off of them. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Thank you for that. That's that's very powerful. And and so is it automatic for for some people? And is it, it is a good automatic. Idea? Yeah. It's okay. absolutely that is absolutely true. If you are looking for the light when it comes. It will be there. If it comes and you didn't know you were looking for it, go right into it. Right. The problem is the dead grieve. This is not a concept other people have ever thought of. But if you, this lady was grieving that she's going to miss these things. The people you have loved, you grieve and you want to linger. That's why they don't always move into the light if they see it or when they see it. Right. They travel with the speed of thought and they ricochet among family members. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And, and if I, they I guess, ask for an angel, then they can cross over themselves. If they have the awareness to do so, right? So I'm, I'm, my thought was, well, what if people, you know, they die of, in, in guilt, right? They feel so guilty about something. And like you said, they're not willing to let go. They, that, that thought may not pop up for them. So this is where the idea comes in that you may, they may need some assistance. I have crossed over so many super Christians 
and I call them super Christians because they go to they go to church four times a week and twice on Sunday. And when they die, they say, oh, I'm a sinner. I was born in sin and I died in sin. So God couldn't love me. And they're the sweetest, kindest people you would ever want to meet. Mm-hmm. And when you assure them that this beautiful angel is really there for them, they they just they just can't believe it. And sometimes they're terrified of the angel. I've had that happen many times. So I bring in a child angel. And I ask that the child angel come up and hold their hand and guide them across the light bridge into the light. And that it gives, they're no longer intimidated. And it helps them. I mean, there's so many facets to ghosts. It's not just, oh, they have unfinished business or they're mean. They, every ghost is as different as, as the millions of people on earth are different. Everyone has a different frame of reference or belief system. At the end of the day, we're all going to die. And if we look for the light and immediately cross into that light, we'll be easier on our families, easier on ourselves, much easier on the earth. Wonderful advice. That's just very powerful. My last question to you, I I think is important for a lot of people. How does one get over the fear of ghosts and this afterlife and the unknown that what's beyond the veil? Study. I mean, I, at first it is terrifying. I don't want to diminish someone else's fear. That would be rude or cruel. If you are afraid, I understand that because something is affecting you and you can't see it. I might do this for a living, but most people don't. I would suggest that if you are afraid, again, I keep referring to the crossing over prayer book because there are all different kinds of prayers for all kinds of ghosts including the dark entity removal prayer that's there. And you may think that this is an evil being. Well, you can say as many prayers as you like, as often as you like. And you could ask for angels to fill your home. Think about that. You immediately raise the frequency of your home by asking for something that we all have the right and the capacity to ask for. Ask for angels to fill your home. I do that when I fly. Please, you know, I clear the plane and then I ask that angels sit in the cockpit and fill the plane. And it's amazing the difference that can make. And when when you have the awareness that whatever your method of death, you can go home and meet people you've loved, animals, dogs and cats and horses and creatures that have graced your life. You can ask that they meet you as well. Love of an animal is unconditional. People miss them terribly. Ask that they meet you. And Courage is action in the face of fear. And let's say that you are a ghost. If, if, if you think you have a ghost, you don't know who it is, 
and you do a compassionate act and you're saying these prayers to cross this person over, isn't this the very compassion you would want for yourself? So you give to others what you would want for yourself as an act of compassion. And the karma you create comes back to you in the form of discovering that you have this little piece of steel in your back called courage. Wow, thank you for that. That's that's amazing. Really wonderful advice. Really just filled with so much love and, and wisdom. And this conversation has just been amazing and heartwarming. And I felt so much emotion flowing through me. I feel like I could talk about this stuff all day, but we've come to that time. Is there anything that you'd like to say, Tina, for the audience before we say goodbye? Compassion that lives within you may have to be discovered. And when you use the crossing over prayer or any of the prayers in the crossing over prayer book, you open your heart to compassion for others. And as you give it away, it comes back to you in the most remarkable moments and subtleties. We live in a time where there's a lot of sudden death and there are a lot of people grieving all over the world right now. And saying these prayers for all of these souls is going to be of enormous service to everyone, all of those families and to those particular souls. It is great spiritual service, and we are here for that service. And for all of you who choose to do that, you have my heartfelt thanks. Thank you so much for that. Well, once again, I want to give thanks to Tina for joining us on this Halloween special. It's been wonderful and amazing and insightful. I am just so thankful. Thank you, Tina. Thank you for having me. This has been great. 